What's going on, GMGs? It's your boy Trek, and this is another episode of Trek and Cryptos to Connect. For the first half of this episode, I'm going into what I was using to study Solidity, which was Udemy at the time, and the issues that I was running into, as well as some of the tips on what I was doing to study the videos and break down the um, material. Uh, also, uh, I bring up um, um, IDE, which I'll have the link for in the description. It's a lot easier to deal with than trying to download and sync up with the main Ethereum blockchain. Um, and then for the second half, I have an interview with Luke Bateman. He does consulting work. He's a young gentleman who is definitely fresh and understands what's going on within the marketing scene for ICOs and you know, blockchain-based businesses, as well as just companies that are looking to get into the space if they're already an established business. So I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you learn something. And please share, like, and do all the other positive um, confirmation stuff. Much appreciated. Hey, G&Gs, what's going on? I'm your boy, Trek. And, um... Huh, where am I today on this one? So it's gonna be a definitely two for one day. I did the other one now. I'm doing this one video wise and uh subject wise on the studying part. So you know it's winter time, it's cold outside, you don't got nothing else to do, try to be productive. So what do you do? You study, or you at least try to study, right? Or like read or something, right? So um here you have it that try to make that move, start my studying thing going. And lo and behold, I download the, um, oh, excuse me, man, I've been feeling a little bit under lately and it just, it, it's been messing with me here and there. Um, but download the Ethereum um, wallet itself. And I don't know if the Hello Kitties thing, not Hello Kitties, um, what's the, Hello Kitties? the Crypto Kitties thing is uh, really uh, taking a toll like that still. But like it's not working the way I need it to. And the course that I'm using on Udemy, that um, instructor uses the um, the Ether wallet in combination with the Solidity. And that's just like a whole issue right now. But remember what I told you in the beginning, you gotta have multiple resources. So you have multiple resources. Um, if one thing fails, you can then fill in the next thing. So there's a gentleman that I found on YouTube. Granted, I'm not a fan of um, patronizing. Patronizing. Can't think of the word right now. Whatever. But not a fan of the YouTube um, platform. But this gentleman does have a very good breakdown, and his videos aren't like long stretches either. They're like maybe 10 minutes. Um, I'll have that link in the video. I'll also put the link of the other gentleman that I'm using in Udemy in case anybody else is interested. You don't have to follow either one of these people. Um, there's a ton of stuff out there right now, you know, but like I said, from my perspective, the best thing to do is to have um, different sources of information because that way you can cross-reference between you know what's being said and you find out what the constant things are about like what's the what's the fact of what something means or how something works and you can build a better knowledge base from that point in my opinion that's just how i work when it comes to taking in um new information <clears throat> um the other thing oh 
So the difference in between the, the gentleman, I can't remember how to say his name right now on Udemy and this guy is that uh, the guy is Gary. Yeah, Gary. Um, he's using the um, web IDE. Uh, so it's like a development, it's an open source development tool, web ID, um, integrated development environment, um, IDE, not the other IED, not that. Um, so it's a integrated development environment, it's open source, and he goes through like, you know, in small chunks of breaking down the information for what you're gonna start out doing, what the variable is, how you come up with, um, how you enter in uh, certain um, definitions within the, the lines and what order it has to go. And that's a big thing that I really didn't understand in starting out with the Solidity is that you have to do, um, you have to put in um, certain information in a certain order like you can't just oh well let me put the 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 creator of the program at the first line and then i'll put in what type of coin um this is and you know x amount of lines down then i'll talk about like what the decimal count is for it like no nah, it doesn't work like that at all um oh, man my nose is telling me right now which is crazy because i didn't have this issue in the video before <laughs> so ah uh, all right um uh, where was I going? And watching these videos or going between the two, like I said, um the the difference is the the tools that they're using and how they're explaining um what the what the steps are, what the what the input information is, right? And for me, what I do when it comes to studying in this way of doing the videos is watch the whole segment and that way I'll be familiar and I'll get the timing of how he's bringing up the stuff and then I'll go back through, have my notebook with me, right? And then I'll start taking down the notes on the things that I'm not 100% sure of or the, or, or the little cheats on what I want to remember in particular. Um, and that way, when I go through, I, I know how to word it for myself. So it makes sense to me when I go back and look at it later on and I try to um, execute what was shown in the video. And I don't necessarily want to go back to the video right away, but I want to try to do it off of my notes and make sure that the notes make sense to where I can execute the same thing that was done in the video. But that's just how I work when it comes to um, taking information in through the video. It's not like, um, you know, when I have a book like this and then I'll take my highlighter and I'll take a pen and I'll just start going through highlighting things, remind myself, look this person up, um, figure out what that definition or that concept means. How does it actually work? with um the other part that was mentioned so video that's how i work and i'll do stuff like i'll draw lines all around the place like you know i'll have little quick note sections and there'll be like a bubble with a star next to it and i'll draw a line to another um piece of paragraph or a, a quick bullet point that i wrote and how the things are connected um that's just my method some people are just good enough to where they can just watch the one video and boom, 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 pull everything in 
and then they're off and running. Especially if you've already been program uh, a programmer, then you know it, it'll come a lot more natural or slash easier to you. Um, I keep saying to y'all, this is me going through my experience, and whatever level you guys are on, it's gonna vary. So if you're uh, at my level and you're just one of those genius people. You can just watch the video once and boom, all right, I got this. I'm already off and running. Great. I'm jealous of you. If you're somebody who's like not nowhere near not technical, like which would kind of be like behind me, then we we going to work this out and we going to get you up to where I am so we can get up to where that next guy is who's like the, the SME in the situation, you know? Um, it's going to take some time though. That's what I'll say. It's going to take some time. It's definitely going to take some practice. So you go through the videos, you figure out which videos you're going to watch, you figure out what source you're going to use to, to teach you how to use the program um, or learn the program, I should say. And remember, you got to start setting that time out to really start actually, all right, let me type these lines out and try and execute what I saw in the video. If it doesn't work out the first time, go back, look at your notes, go back, watch the video, see what you did or didn't do, and you go from there. And then you just build the little blocks until you eventually have your wall, until you eventually have your house. Like, at least that's how it is in my mind. But, um, yeah, this is uh, just a quick thing I just wanted to bring up. Um, in the little issues that I'm having right now with the studying and the route I was going through through Udemy because of the instructor that I had signed up with. And like I said, have multiple sources of information because when you run into issues like this, like I could have spent the time to try to figure out what was going on with the um, with the Ether Wallet and stuff and like the test network. But the quickest thing was, you know what, I'm gonna just switch over and just run with the IDE because it's already set up, it's open source. I don't have to do anything extra. I don't have to go into any Reddit posts. I don't have to like email the the Ether people and nah. But that's just me. Um, I'm on a timeline, you know. So that's all, man. Uh, G and G's until the next one. I know I'm kind of inconsistent with how I put these out, but like I said, I'm still learning this whole like space thing of like trying to get my studying thing, my time management between like my life and then this thing of, of, of posting out what I'm doing um, and how I'm making the, the, the progress um, in this environment. Okay, so I'm going to get better as I move along and hopefully you guys will take the um, opportunity to follow this and grow with me and together we're going to help expand this whole thing out. We're going to get some good jobs. We're going to network and meet new people and we're going to be good in the long run. I always tell my kids it's all about the long run. You got to set yourself up for the long run. This is part of that for me. All right, GNGs and your boy Trek. And until the next one, y'all have a good one. All right, guys. So there you have it. That was um, the first half, which was me going on about what I was dealing with, with Udemy and Ethereum, blockchain, and learning about the IDEs. And it was definitely a, a different um, situation back then. And for what was going on, you know, it, it was a different thing for where I'm at right now and what I understand now. And hopefully, 
there's something that you guys picked up if you were going down the same rabbit hole of learning solidity that this was somehow helpful to you. So for the second half, like I said, coming up is with Luke Bateman. Like I said, he's a consultant, um, young gentleman, really quick on it. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation we have. I mean, I know I definitely learned a couple of things from him. So hopefully you guys will too. Hey, what's going on, G&Gs? This is Trek, and I am here with Luke Bateman. Um, this young gentleman right here, I don't know if he, I don't know if I should say he's going to be a, a, a future marketing guru, um, <laughs> but he definitely knows more than you would think if you just initially looked at him and judged a book by its cover. And so, uh, as we know, um, the, the idea of Trekking Crypto to Connect is to introduce people who are at the, at the ground level, at the forefront of working to help you know, mass adoption of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. And this young man right here is definitely doing his thing. Um, I, I know him because we're also advising on another uh, project, just in full disclosure. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna let him introduce himself and, you know, tell you in short who he is and we'll go from there. Well, thanks. This is a great introduction, Trek. <laughs> I can say better myself. So I got my first start in Bitcoin in about uh, 2013. So it's been a pretty wild ride since then. I didn't go to school for anything specifically related to it, but I've been working in the cryptocurrency space for about close to two years now, um, off and on with the consultancy, as well as uh, with a blockchain video game called CryptoPets, which was um, my primary lead into the markets. Um, Kind of taught me a lot about how to market things in the blockchain space considering how strange it is and i try to keep a pulse on things normally i have a background in um, professional communications and strategic direction of uh, communications in line with like say crisis comms and that stuff that's my field of expertise but i work in brand management particularly now uh, on a variety of projects uh, both in the local and the, the uh, international scale one of which is my primary goal and focus right now which is crypto fuse um, an offline hardware solution that allows for uh, blockchain transactions to be net settled uh, without internet connection. Okay. Well, you know, we, we can get into that on another side conversation or further down the road because that Got sounds you. interesting. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, I'm more into the technical stuff. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But, all right. So, you know, talk about what got you in the cryptos. You talked about what got you to really put your foot in the door back when in 2013 you know there weren't too many people talking about hey i can help you market your platform um so what have you seen as far as you know from then to now and looking at like the american market as far as it goes and i know you did uh the one company i can't remember right now but that was like european based and and yeah. seeing how you know the the space has matured and grown and shifted and done some really interesting things just in general what, what are you seeing what have you seen 
Well, I mean, it, you have to think about the the um, the demographics of the user base of cryptocurrency and how those have changed. And it really serves to be a sort of microcosm. And if, uh, if you extrapolate that, it's a very good view of the way that things are pushing. Um, <clears throat> I pride myself in not trying to market things and change the direction, but rather understand the momentum of things and their trajectory and then where they might go. Um, when I joined the space, there was a lot of crypto anarchists. There still are. Um, in 2013, I think most people were focused on the Silk Road. Um, you know, I, uh, Russ Ulbricht's mom was at CoinVention. I'm not sure if you were able to run into her. Yeah, I talked to her. Yeah, me and Lydia yeah. Great, great, great human. And um, so is he, for that matter. And I, I think in, in early stages of the space, there was a lot of um, opposition to having uh, new money investors walking in and, you know, talking to things, um, you know, shaking hands at the same table. I think everyone sort of joined the space because they were expecting this to be the next iteration of currency. And also they wanted a stake in something that was going to be non-governmental focused. Um, the freedom of which is something that is still felt today. Uh, that has changed in so many iterations since that point. I think that there's been sort of a wild ride. No, 2013 is not early in the space. That is about mid-pack for the second wave, I would say. Uh, I worked professionally in the space for about two years now, and I've, I've seen a lot of changes from that angle just because of the fact that with new market entrants comes a new voracious appetite for different types of solutions. Um, so we saw the ICO craze of last year. Oh, we man. saw that, you know, that sort of decimated the ability for developers to make useful products out of what we were building. And I think actually, if if I quote correctly, it pushed us back on the, or at least pushed blockchain back on the Gartner hype cycle to about a five to 10 year plateau rather than the two to five that I think it had been quoted at, uh, it may be quoted, misquoted in order to, you know, find funding. Um, be that as it may, we've seen a lot of shifts from specific crypto anarchist views towards decentralize everything towards a little bit more inclusive views of this is the future of money or this is the future of internet. Now abroad, I was working with a consultancy that was based primarily in political and public relations um, for um, say high level um, ambassadorial missions. Uh, they were looking to enter the digital tech space uh, just because they had uh, an inkling of an understanding, and I think a lot of people do, that this is the progress and, you know, again, this is the direction that things are heading. So to head that off, trying to network and move in that direction made the most sense from a brand perspective. In Europe, I think that I gauged the uh, the sort of feeling on the ground to be more of, we don't want to regulate this wrong. We saw what happened with the internet. You know, you don't want to be that one state that really messes everything up and harms yourself because they see this as being a pure wave of adoption that is going to cascade across every known corner of the internet ecosystem. Okay. Um, Sorry to jump in, but... By, no, 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 by all means. So I just did a piece about that where it's like, when you look at the landscape now, I really say 2018 has been like the year of regulators because I'm not, it's not a matter of every country has taken a legal, you know, um, step, but between the major, major um, countries and then the countries that you've never even heard of, like um, Liechtenstein, Lithuania, Kurdistan, like, and countries I know of just because, you know, I'm more geographically inclined for the military aspect, but just to realize, like, how many different countries, like um, Colombia, their new um, president person 
is saying, you know, if you're a tech company, if you're blockchain, you're crypto based, come here five years tax free as long as you can sustain X amount of jobs. Five years? Yeah. You know, like that's a really big incentive right there as far as what your overhead would be aside from paying, you know, the people to work, but being able to not have to deal with the taxes. Come on. Like, like he's looking at it to be like, you know, um, we want to be the, the tech hub for Central, so sorry, South America. But then even, uh, what's the dude's name? The Royal Prince um, Aloso, Aloso uh, of... Um, I'm not familiar. It's, you know, the country is double landlocked. It's like the population isn't even the size of Brooklyn, New York. And the amount of money moving through that country. And then they're in this really interesting, like, legal stance where they're not a part of the European Union, but they're part of the European like economic something. So they can still have their banks actually hold like um they can people can go through their banks to actually buy cryptocurrencies. Like wow. Exactly. So like I'm saying like this year has definitely been the the regulators like year. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, when we get, you know, three, five years on the road and we look back and it's like, all right, like, when, when was that moment? In my opinion, 2018 was that moment. Some things I'm liking, some things I'm just like, mm, all right, I'm not going to say this is a bad idea, but <laughs> I guess we're just going to wait and see how this plays out and then you'll learn from there. That's kind of how I've been looking at it. Like, I'm real Andresian. And when I say Andresian, that means um, I take the Andreas Antonopoulos approach to the space where it's, I can't tell you exactly how to use this stuff or what you should do with the technology and what your use cases should be or how they should be framed. Um, I go with the technology is going to be able to be used as people see fit once it gets outside of the, the manufacturer or the developer's control. It's open source technology. It's a permissionless cultural environment. Like, what did you think was going to happen? That, that's my approach. And it is a very hard stance to continually hold to as, as, as my conviction for what I see going on in the space at times. But that's just me. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to jump back one. Um, so... You said what you got into in the space, but like, what did you actually do? Like, did you go to the meetups? Did you just jump on forums? Um, did you meet somebody in DC or like, how did you actually get to, you know what? Like, I went to school for this thing, for this crypto thing sounds cool and interesting. <laughs> um, hey, you, can you give me a job? Yeah, so I mean, uh, 2013 was a pretty wild time. Um, I had a lot of friends who were involved uh, online uh, with cryptocurrency and um, their exploits and mine were different in that I think that they were using it as a very, I mean, their, for, your, for their use case, I think that they were extremely excited about the ability to move money without uh, any control um, for reasons that I guess need to go unmentioned. But I found it... Um, they turned me on to it and I was like, what is this Bitcoin thing? And I think everyone in the space has like this moment of realization, this sort of like, you know, enlightenment moment where they're just like, oh, you can do that with this. And, and, and this all like falls together and no one's really telling you what you can't do yet. Like it seems, it seems almost endless. So, um, mm -hmm. 
I fell down the rabbit hole with that sort of stuff. And you know, at the time, it seemed a little bit more towards a currency online than anything else. And uh, it made a lot of sense to me. I mean, I didn't really think about the investment potential until I started dabbling in Ethereum uh, two years later, three years later. And, um, you know, it really started to clarify for me what was actually possible with these uh, technologies. Um, so I guess you can say you my rabbit hole moment happened in stages, but, but very early on, I was a believer in the tech. And it was something that I'd found to be very near and dear to my heart because uh, I saw it also as a democratizing factor of younger generations to be able to communicate with older generations across a level playing field of, of shared interest. So I, I still stick to that. I think that I've met some of the most fantastic people in my life uh, to this day. And I think that we all sort of share that appreciation for this tech, making us all younger in a sense because of the limitless possibility or pseudo limitless possibility as it is marketed. Um, but getting into Bitcoin, I think uh, I made my first transactions between a blockchain wallet. Um, differentiating between what a blockchain was, what a Bitcoin was, what Bitcoin blockchain was, what the company out of Germany called Blockchain, who supplies mobile wallets, is, which I think is, I guess, the uh, equivalent of a car manufacturer called Automobile Co. or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, there, the, the learning curve was steep. And I think that anyone from that time period can really say that. And this is only like a few short years ago. So really in a, in a few blinks for most generations. Um, but the learning curve was steep then, and I think that it is still steep now. I remember, like you know, PGP signed messages before people were able to use, you know, apps like Signal very easily, um, and, and it became apparent that this was the direction things were moving in, and I wanted to do whatever I could to support that. Now, back then, it was still laughable. Uh, um, be you know what, whatever the Silk Road did for this space, I think was a positive net. I think that a lot of people in this area uh, of, of the tech space would not have jobs if not for Ross. Um, so I think that we do have to thank that, um, you know, going forward. But at the same time, you have to understand that it really has been a challenge. I think breaking out of the momentum of the Silk Road took until mid-2017, uh, really, when people started to wake up to what was actually usable with Bitcoin and what was actually, uh, you know, a, a capability. Uh, before that, it was just, oh, it's that drug money. You know, you, you buy drugs online and you're like, oh, uh, that is that, a major use case. But, you know, that, that fiat, yeah, you know, like fiat currency is most used for drug transactions, actually. So your blood money is a bit different. I get into that debate all the time. <laughs> I'm sure you do. me. And then look what um, the Wall Street Journal did to um, 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 Shapeshift in that piece they did where it's like, oh, well, you had $9 billion laundered to your, it's like, wait, how'd y'all even get this number? What? Did you not see what HSBC did? Did you not see what like Bank of America and Wells Fargo did in the last two years? Get out of here. Like, come on now, man. Like, it, it definitely gets the blood boiling when people start coming at me with those like, oh, you mean that, that stuff? The, you mean the stuff that drug people, really, really? CNN told you it was drug money, and then all of a sudden, your money has nothing to do with drugs. Well, our money, because like we all use the USD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, like I, it, it definitely has been interesting to see how we've kind of moved out of the shadow of the the Silk Road, um, and. I think it's more so been in part because most people don't understand what was actually going on. We've moved further away from the event itself. So now it's like that back in history thing. And 
please, no one takes this as me undermining what Ross did or the efforts that his brother is making to, um, you know, argue about how the, the trial has been going. Like, I see them, um, I'm sympathetic to both movements, right? Uh, just to be clear on that. But I also understand that for where the space is or how the space is expanding now, that is just going to be one of the notches or one of the blips on the history of the overall. It's not the end all be all um, of the, the, the technology that, you know, Ross brought to the public or the, the case that is being related to the space in regards to how people can use the technology. Those are just going to be notches on this, you know, timeline as we now have it that the cat's out the bag, the technology is here. Uh, the, the pioneers, the innovators, the free thinkers are, are looking at it and looking to figure out how to integrate it and utilize it. And guess what? So are the legacy platforms and the more money conscious, AKA greedy folks. Like it is what it is. Once again, it goes to, it's a permissionless technology. I can't tell you exactly how to use it. So the space is kind of open for everybody, right? Yeah. Oh, oh. Um, all right. So this is one thing that gets me about how um, th this format works. And I got two more questions for you. Mm -hmm. So um, what is it? Group. Looking at the space going forward, um, how are you seeing, you know, what what things are you seeing as far as like any relative predictions? And I'm not saying price talk predictions. No price talk predictions. Just good because I won't give those. <laughs> use case technology stuff. Um, or who's gonna like jump up and do something innovative? Where it's like, oh, okay, I didn't see that one come in. Or you know, like the, your 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 thoughts, sir. I think there are a lot of interesting projects coming up in the space, and I think that it's really going to boil down. Again, as you said, this is the year of the regulator. I speak biased um, towards my own personal projects, and that, you know, obvious, um, but I think that there are a lot of um, new uses for transactions that are going to branch out from the typical blockchain mentality of this is a token, it is a tokenized version, or like a, you know, a personal equity version. Um, I think we're going to move more towards uh, assuming that the populace understands what's going on um, than using them effectively as like a tool inside of a system. Um, I've seen pretty cool platforms like Loki. I think they've done um, sort of the ability to make provisional contracts uh, plus like a machine learning algorithm to check out space between contracts to tell you if what you're on to might be original. Um, that's a really cool platform. And, you know, I think we're going to branch out towards less and less, um, Though that is tokenized, I think we're going to move towards less and less tokenized structures because people have started to realize that with the impending regulation, it behooves them to move in ways that aren't necessarily seen as securities by the SEC. Um, that being said, I think that the SEC is actually going to have to come down in one way or another um, towards making sort of judgment calls um, to allow for the space to grow. I think everyone um, is sort of waiting on their approval. Um, I've heard of credit tokens becoming a, a little bit more of a... Um, usable thing. I think utility tokens are sort of laughed at um, in, in a large case um, at, at first sight. Um, don't get me wrong, at first sight without looking at their 
white paper or anything like that, but you have to realize that we're looking for ways to parlay the extremely um, confusing tech that this can be to the end user to users that aren't really sure why they need to step out of what they're already using. Um, this is easy in spaces with, like Venezuela where they understand the value of currency and what it means to hold on to that through borders. I think there are some pretty prominent members of that in Twitter. Um, but I think that you know, for the end user in America, um, breaching that subject is sort of like telling them why they need to use end-to-end -end encryption. Then, Mm. It's always met with a sort of, I don't do anything wrong. Why should I have to use this? What do I have to fear? Um, so I think that it's not only is the tech going to change, um, and we're going to see a lot more movement towards, say, like tether dollars and stuff like that, um, yeah. just because it's easier to understand. We're going to see a lot more movement towards marketing what's already going on as being a benefit to society on the whole, rather than just simply a benefit to a small user group that hopefully has ripple effects. You know, it, it, it comes to mind the fact that I have friends personally that use, um, you know, Find My Friends. It's an app on the iPhone that broadcasts your location to people in your connected network. Um, I personally think that's an egregious uh, step in the wrong direction. I think it's a, a terrible um, leech of privacy, um, but it's not something that really phases them, and they're a little bit younger than me. So I think that, you know, as much as we might be fighting against certain things, we have to realize that our ethos might run incongruent to what is actually occurring. The same is to be said for the space where you see, um, even within our, you know, I'll call it an echo chamber, even within our highly communal space that is blockchain, Ripple or XRP, whatever, you know, if you really mm -hmm. want to that was able to overtake Ethereum. And those could not be more different when it comes to company ethos. But what that does say is that either enough money has moved into the pool of investment that it doesn't matter what the ethos is, or it means that the people within their own pool have ceased to care about the centralization factor. So that's an important thing to realize moving forward. And I'm not making a value judgment either way. I think that there are adoption benefits to both. and There are extreme drawbacks to both as well. Um, but what that does say is that just by saying that decentralizing everything and, you know, making everything private is going to win everyone over eventually, that's great. It won us into the space. It made us excited. It made us come and it will make more people flock to us. But it does not guarantee the longevity of the space because what we haven't realized is that end users might not care about these things. So I think it's going to be as much about learning where the tech is focused and what might come next and going, oh, this is an exciting use of AI and the tokenized structure for the ability for someone to you know, sell apples on a supply chain. But we might be realizing that it's much more interesting to see the ebbs and flows of user appreciation for these types of devices um, within the market by looking at how things are being sold. Um, I can't make, you know, predictions. I think you, you mentioned the Antonopoulos approach to that. And I think that it's, um, it's a great way to dabble in the space without being wrong. And I think a lot of people in this space who say that they are experts are wrong. And I'll be the first to claim that I am not. But I think that 2019 is going to shape up to be a great year for developers to create things that they, um, they want to. Um, 2018 has been post-2017. I would even wager that 2018 has been only a reaction to the 2017 ICO craze, whereas 2019 mm -hmm. should shape up to be specifically the year in which the projects that have the most merit will start to amass the user bases necessary to promote those products and will champion the efforts of blockchain for years to come. I think that that's 
that building phase that we've been teasing out this year. Everyone's kind of been there's the mindset of you know you know West Coast VCs like you know we shoot first, we ask questions last, or East Coast lawyers where they're like we can't move at all until we see what it falls. <laughs> right. And there's like they're, they're they're you know you're against the grain either way. 2019, we will have these answers a little bit more in focus. And because of that, we're going to be able to build some really cool things. But, you know, that being said, we can't foresee a lot of technological advancements. But, you but know, the exactly it how it comes down to it. it, comes down to it. We, we all thought self-driving cars were going to be the end-all be-all, and now it's scooters. So I said um, the same thing. Like, according to Back to the Future, you know, we should be cars and, like, um, flying surf skateboards right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? But... Yeah, the exactly how it plays out, that's the part that's like the anticipation and stuff. But I got my last one for you. Um, and less than, I got less than three minutes. So um, what product or service are you using in your day-to-day -day and would you tell other people about? That's crypto I, blockchain. That's crypto and blockchain focused. Um, crypto, I, tried, yeah. I tried to make my payments on... Um, you know, either Bitcoin or uh, Ethereum or Litecoin, depending on which is getting fastest transaction times. Um, but I also try to look out for uh, usable platforms in which I can promote this. Um, I think that I've seen certain things come up like earn.com. I think that getting people to just sign up for that can earn you a little bit of Bitcoin. Um, it's um, interesting. I, I try to get my friends to download MetaMask just to understand what's going on. And it, it is as much about me using it as it is about being an evangelist of the technology, getting other people to use it, seeing what their problems and pitfalls are, and then coming back to either my team or talking to others that I know and going like, hey, you know, this user who has no technological experience is saying they can't use this part of your platform. Here's why. And then they go, oh, OK, I didn't even think about it like that. I think it is much um, about using blockchain right now as it is getting blockchain to a point where it runs in the background and no one needs to think about it. Um, mm -hmm. So anything that I can do to progress those ends is something that is worth my time. Gotcha. Okay. So just to be clear, just so y'all understand, he actually does take payment for his services in one of the cryptocurrencies, depending on what the project is and what's going on with transaction times, in short. Um, so I'm looking to wrap up right now. Um, how can people reach you? What are your contacts? Uh, share those, please. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn primarily. I think it's an easy way to separate the social and the professional, even though I think that those things are blending. I'm also on Twitter. Um, that should be at Luke Bateman underscore. Uh, pretty simple to find that. I'll be the only person with the name Luke Bateman tweeting about blockchain stuff as far as I can remember. So uh, if you want to reach out to me, those are the best ways to do it. And we can work the conversation down from that. Okay. Um, well, thank you, sir, for um, coming on. And once again, this is Luke Bateman. And this is Trekking Cryptos to Connect. So stay tuned for the next. Um, the the next episode and yeah that's how i'm gonna close this one out have a good one all right gng so that's it that's the whole episode right there and yeah like i said it was going on about what i was dealing with with studying at the time for the validity and then the second half was talking with luke bateman 
I hope you guys picked up on something, something inspired you, something made you think, um, or better yet, you got the realization of what I'm trying to promote with the Trek and Cryptos to Connect, that you don't have to be a technical person, you don't have to be a money bag to help you know, mass adoption happen, to help people understand the technology, or to even use the technology. And that's just what I'm going to keep beating in as far as the message um, for what I'm trying to promote, what I'm trying to get people to understand. And I'm going to continue to bring on more guests like Luke who exemplify that, that mission that I have, that I feel that I have anyhow. Um, nonetheless, if you got any questions, if you want to know anything, um, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Trek and Cryptos. That's T-R-E-K-K-E-N, not I-N-G. And you can also find me on on Twitter at uh, Smart Trekking, Smart Trekking, which is the same thing, T-R-E-K-K-E-N, not I-N-G. And till the next episode, G-N-Gs, um, I hope you guys learn something, you get inspired, and you go out and learn something new about cryptos. Other than that, have a good one, y'all. This episode of Trekking Cryptos to Connect was brought to you by Trek Smart Consulting, putting cryptos and blockchain content in context.